You guys ready to have some fun today? Yeah. All right. It's going to be good. All right. I've got more good news for you. It's just, it's just all good. If the messages that you're hearing don't sound like good news, they may not be the good news. That was a freebie. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a new series here today, and um, I, I feel like there's those foundation stone messages that you just have to get in you, and I think one of the dangers is that we can become familiar with stuff. And sometimes when you become familiar with something, you just kind of, I don't know if you've ever been like reading the Bible, and you're like, okay, I kind of know what that's going to say, and you kind of speed read through it. Well, guess what? You get nothing out of it. And sometimes that familiarity just really dulls our spiritual senses. And so I'm asking you guys just to freshly hear a word on healing today. How many of you guys think, you know what, I know everything there is about healing. Um, it's working amazing in my life. I don't really need anything. Is anyone in here? So maybe you could come share because I don't have it all figured out yet. We haven't arrived, but we have left. I just believe that God, we have got some crazy prophetic words over our church about healing. We've seen some of the most wild healings of any churches that I've ever heard of. But God's not finished. Like, like, this city needs to see it. We need to have atheists walk in here, and they may not agree with everything that's happening, but they at least need to know, wow, there is something real going on here. We need to have the, the, that kind of healing power, and I believe that we're building on everything God's done before, but I feel like we just need to kind of relay that foundation. So you guys with me? If you really want to walk in healing, you have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's always God's will to heal. Okay, you're never going to be able to believe for healing if you're not even sure God's agreeing with you. Right, like, I, oh, God, I, I hope so. I, I'm not sure what he's going to do, and he's sovereign, and who knows, he's kind <clears> of, <throat> healing's mysterious, right? The majority of religion today, of religious churches today, they would teach that God can heal, and if, you know, he could answer prayers, he just doesn't seem to want to very often, right? They're not sure that he wants to heal every single time. <clears throat> you may have been taught this, God only heals some people. God actually wants a person to be sick for them to learn something. Okay, these are all bad things I'm teaching you. Okay, so don't, nobody amen these. Okay, I didn't hear any amens. I'm, I'm just pre, preemptively striking down your amens. All right? God actually wills for a person to be sick as a punishment. God desires for... <laughs> I guess that is the opposite of an amen, is a boo. Yeah, I think the Hebrew would be boo-ah. Yeah, right? So, yeah. Or God desires for a person to be sick in that particular situation to learn something. How many of you guys have ever heard some of that garbage before? Yeah, hopefully you haven't heard it here, right? And so I remember in seminary, I wrote a paper on healing. And, um, you know, after all my scholarly research and my Pharisee days, my conclusion was healing is mysterious. Who can understand it? God does what he wants to do. God is sovereign. And, and right, God has sovereignly chose to give you authority over every sickness, every disease, and every evil spirit. That's what God sovereignly chose to do. He sovereignly chose to have his son bear your sickness and carry your pain, and by your stripes you were healed. When you were healed, it means that God is, no longer, God is not judging you on a case-by-case basis, deciding whether or not you're worthy to be healed. Look what, he, what happens when, uh, healing touches, when faith touches the Son of God. It's like a reflexive response. You see, the woman, there was a woman, she had an issue of blood. She's bleeding for years and years. She couldn't stop the bleeding. She, uh, she, you know, and so if she were to touch somebody, they would become unclean under the Old Testament uh, ceremonial laws. Aren't you glad we're not under the Old Testament ceremonial laws? Did you know we're not under old, any of the Old Testament laws at all? Like even like the Sabbath. I, I remember someone uh, was getting in an argument with me on Facebook. Don't you just love those Facebook arguments? Those just bless you. Like, man, I, I just feel so blessed. Thank you for disagreeing with me publicly. So thank you. But uh, I, I, this is kind of a funny thought. So they're like, you know, oh, if you don't keep the Sabbath day, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, well, are you taking one year out of, off every, out of every seven? Because that's also an Old Testament law. Like, you don't get to pick anyway. So <clears throat> where am I at with this whole thing? Seminary, a woman with the issue of blood. Woman with the issue of blood. I want you to notice what happens when faith touches the hem of his garment. What happened? Jesus... <clears throat> And then go, Father, I feel somebody touching me. Is this person worthy to be healed? Lord, is it your will this time? Or are we going to leave her sick? No, no, no. What happened? Faith was like a reflex. It was like a pickpocket. Faith touches the Son of God, and healing was a reflex of reaction. <clears throat> Guys, God is no longer saying, God, God has never done this, but God is not up there judging you on a case-by-case basis, seeing if you've prayed enough, if you've got the sin out of your life. I want you to get this. He already said yes 2,000 years ago. Like, he hasn't changed his mind. He's like, hey, check back in with me in a little bit, you know, we'll see. No, no, no. All of God's promises are yes and? Amen. The yes is on his part. We have to face that promise, see it in the person of Jesus, and we say amen with our lives. 
So I wrote this paper in seminary, and uh, here's the deal. I, I got an A in the paper, but I didn't see any healing in my, in my life. Intellectually, I got some kind of score. I mean, of course, I came to the wrong conclusion that, you know, it's mysterious. Who can know this? You're never going to get any of those prayers answered if you don't know what God's will is. But, Jim, I thought we are supposed to pray, if it be thy will. No, those prayers never get answered. That's James chapter 3 where it says, it's talking about making plans without God. And he says, don't say we're going to go to this city, we're going to go to that city. Say, if it be your will. It wasn't like, oh, I know what God's will is, but I'm going to pray this religious prayer, if it be thy will. If it be thy will is what Jesus said on the cross. It wasn't a declaration of, I don't know what your will is, Father, but here I am on the cross. He said, no, no, Lord, this isn't what I want. It was a declaration, but I want what you want more than... Lord, if it, be, if, if it be thy will, let this cup pass for me. But not, let's finish the rest of it, but not my will, but your will be done. So this if it be thy will prayer, that's a religious prayer. Those prayers don't get answered because there's no faith attached to it. Every promise, everything that you receive from, uh, in the Bible comes by grace through faith. By grace is God's part. And I want you to notice this. He did it independent of your performance. He did it before you were ever born. Before you ever had a need, he had a solution. So when you woke up, and uh, when you became born again, the next breath you took, you had full access to everything that Jesus paid for, even though you've never done anything to deserve it. Now, of course, we have a, a grandniece. I'm not sure if you guys realize that. She is a little chunkosaurus rex. I, uh, I don't know what it is. I just want to blow on her thighs all day long. I don't know what it is. They're, they're just so sweet. But you know what, um, when, when she took her first breath, she, she came into a family filled with love, filled with dreams, filled with provision for her. You know what, she hasn't even cleaned her room yet. I've seen what she's done to her diaper. She's messed up some of the room. <laughs> Guys, when you took your first breath, you, walk, you, you breathe into an atmosphere, you were born into a family where things were provided for you. Now how do you receive them? We have to believe them. Everything in this world is fighting against it. So here's what I feel like we're supposed to do first. Someone didn't like me talking bad about the babies. I'm sorry about that. So uh, I'll be more sensitive to, the, uh, to those who are crawling. And so um, here's what I feel like we're supposed to do, though. I feel like we're supposed to break off disappointments before we even get to this. Because I, I, sometimes it's like, it's like, yeah, Jim, but I prayed. We prayed for this thing 30 times. We prayed for this 50 times. I had Benny Hinn pray for me. Bill Johnson pray for me. All these different people pray for me. I don't care who's prayed for you. It's Jesus. When faith touches the Son of God, well, Jim, I had faith. Faith doesn't look at itself. Faith looks at Jesus. So if you're telling me how much faith you have, that's not faith. That's presumption. Faith looks at what Jesus has done. But I did this. I did that. Thank you for telling me about your self-works. How about we look at what Jesus did? And most die, So what's what we're going to do the rest of this morning. By grace through faith, we're going to look at what Jesus provided by grace so that faith can rise up in our hearts. Are we good? So let's, let's just break off this disappointment. So, I don't know, has anyone else besides me ever prayed and had it not work? Okay, that means we've got some growing to do. Jesus actually was at 100% level healing. Every person he prayed for, every, pers every person that came to him, every person the Father led him to was healed. That's the standard. Guys, I refuse to lower the standard of God's promises to the level of our experience. Well, you know what? Just sometimes it does this and that. And what about Aunt Mildred? She was the godliest person I know, and she prayed every day. Thank you for telling me about her self-righteousness. But let's get back to Jesus' righteousness. That's the only thing God's impressed with. But Jim, what about that time in the scriptures where Jesus prayed for the person and it didn't work? It ain't in there. What about that time where Jesus said, the Lord is giving you cancer to, to, as a prophetic symbol of Israel's uh, cancer-like sin? It's not in there. Oh, yeah, remember that time where Jesus said, you know, it's not my timing. You're right in the middle of an important lesson. It's not in there. That's religion. Religion's going to give you all the reasons that you're disqualified from healing. The new covenant's going to give you all the reasons that you're qualified because of what Jesus did. God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. Guys, you know how many sinners came to Jesus and got healed? All of them. He's not going to heal you because you're good. Jesus isn't like, ooh, 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 this person's sick they're not asking for, but man, they, they, they just gave 10% of the offering. No, no, they, he's not impressed with your right works. He's impressed with the work of the cross. God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. He will not heal you because you're good. He's going to heal you for one reason and one reason only, because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so when we can get past all these doubts, so what about Job? What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? We'll get to those in another week. But what about Jesus? 
Let's just look at the example of Jesus. And we push all our chips to the center of the table. I'm betting everything that what he did is enough. Yes, I've got some messed up thinking. I've got, I've got you know, I've probably sinned in this past month. I'll just give myself a month, you know. I've, I think I did pretty good this morning, you know, I, you know, so. It's been a good morning. Just don't be mean to me. I, I might blow it then, so. Uh. But let's break off those disappointments. Lord, we love you, and I pray that you would help us to, un, to, to unveil Jesus to us. We ask for that spirit of wisdom and revelation. And Lord, we've all gone to funerals of people that died too young. And Lord, we've all endured things that was not your will, either because of bad decisions or just living in this world or demonic attacks, whatever reason, sports injuries. Lord, we've been prayed for and it didn't work, but we refuse to blame you. Steal, kill, and destroy is someone else's job description. And so, Lord, we just repent of those disappointments. We repent of thinking that you're powerless. We repent of thinking it won't work for me. We repent of just those doubts of disqualifying ourselves. And, Lord, we just come to you afresh. And, Lord, we just say, let the word of God find lodging place in our heart. Let it be like a seed that grows in this garden of our heart. In the name of Jesus. All right, you guys ready for some good news of grace? Oh, in case you didn't get the message, God wants you well. Every time. That's, that's the message. I mean, I'm not going to really say much else other than to prove it from Scripture. All right, so let's look at it here. Oh, just to set some context, we're on the second pillar. We've got four pillars here at Zion that we've been talking about when I remember to mention them. <clears throat> and so um, uh, we've been looking. We, uh, here, when you come to Zion, you're going to encounter God. You're going to get trained and equipped. You're going to belong and never stand alone. You're going to be co-missioned to transform the planet. So today we're going to be looking at equipping and uh, specifically equipping you in healing. So let's go to this first question. Does God want everyone physically healed the same way he wants everyone forgiven of sins? Okay, let's just go on to the next point then. I don't think every believer believes that. I mean, when we come to God and we ask, like if, if someone came in off the streets and let's just say they were drunk and they're starting to sober up, we would, we would have a full assurance that we could say, listen, if you would trust in Jesus, you will be saved this day. He will forgive you of your sins. You'll come into the family of God. We would have no doubt about that. But if that person came in a month later drunk and came forward for healing, we'd be thinking, mm, I don't know. They might, need to, they might need to clean up their act a little bit. That's self-righteousness. That's religion. That's false. That same grace that came and saved him before he did everything right is the same grace that will heal you before you do everything right. God wants you well, not because you're amazing, not because you had a great week spiritually, not because you prayed in tongues for an hour, not because you fasted, not because you dot, 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 kept the feast of Sukkot, whatever. Now, there's people that are trying to like revive the whole old covenant. I'm like, if you're going to do that, do the whole thing. Don't try, you know, I better build a parapet around your roof. Better take care of the menstrual cycles in a real special way now. Like if you're going to keep a little bit of it, you've got to keep all of it. And then you have to be perfect. It's weird. All right, no one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sorry, that was just for someone listening on YouTube that needed that one. Now we're disabling the comments because you're trying to be nasty now. All right, there we go. <laughs> I think we had to do that, didn't we? Yeah, we had to just, yeah, we had people, yeah, well, God bless them, so. At least they're listening. Well, maybe they're not. Who knows what they're doing? <laughs> and we just, we just bless you with encounters with everything that you don't believe. <laughs> How many of you guys know, you can, there's two ways in the God's army. You can volunteer or you can get drafted. <laughs> Paul got drafted. He's riding on his donkey and he got knocked on his donkey. Not in the notes. <laughs> when Jesus died on the cross, did he pay for your sickness in the same way that he paid for the forgiveness of your sins? Right. I, want, I want you to see this, okay? So I think a lot of people, I, I picture like a person drowning in a pool. They're not like, I'm going to save your inner man, but not your outer man. So the clothing doesn't matter. That's just going to waste away. And so take off your clothes and then all that. No, 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 no. You, you rip the whole person out. Okay, it's not like God's like, oh, the only thing, the most important thing is salvation. Well, yeah, if you were going to technically put it down, but God doesn't make you pick the most important thing. He says, I'm going to pay for the whole person. 
That whole person is drowning. Your emotions, your soul, your freedom levels, your prosperity, your sickness. He said, I'm going to heal that whole person. I'm going to pull the whole person out. So I want you to just notice how sin and sickness are dealt with in the same package throughout Scripture, even starting in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 3. Um, the, the, rest of, the next half of this message is just me reading the Scriptures. And I want you to let them be like seeds coming into your heart. Okay? And so I'm really trusting the Word of God is going gonna, is gonna to change our lives this morning. Exodus chapter 12, verse 3. These are instructions for the Passover meal. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this, of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. So there was this blood sacrifice of a lamb. It was to atone or to kind of temporarily cover for their sin until the final lamb could come, and then there was no more sacrifices. Okay, And so um, it was an act of obedience, and so the judgment of God would, would pass over them if they had blood on the door. You guys remember this? And so, um, Exodus 12, 13, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over. Are you ready for this? No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. I want you to notice the correlation uh, that the blood was to mark them as being purchased by God and to protect them uh, from the plague. Okay, so it covered their sins and it took care of them being protected from the plague. Isaiah 33, 24, and no inhabitant will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. Sickness and sin dealt with in the same breath. Uh, the Italian prophet Malachi, also known as Malachi, chapter 4, verse 1. But for you who fear... No one calls him Malachi. Just in case you're new here, that's not a real thing, okay? Malachi, chapter 4, verse 1. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. What's righteousness? It was God's antidote for sin. And he says, just as surely as the, as the sun rises, there will be healing when that righteousness comes. Sickness is to your body what sin is to your soul. I'm not saying if you're sick here today that there's some, it's because of a result of some sinful action. I'm here to tell you today that I want you to get the burning conviction that, to receive everything that Jesus paid for. Notice I didn't say earn. Notice I didn't say get yourself in a position so you can receive. You are already in a position that you can receive. If you'll see Jesus clearly and you say that belongs to me. Like, Jim, I've tried it before. Yeah, we repented of that, remember? You tried. God only heals people who don't deserve it, so stop trying to deserve it. Anytime you're trying to give reason to God in the back of your mind to bless you, that's called dead works. And you've cut yourself off from grace, and the cross is of no effect. Guys, you're either on the performance plan or the Jesus plan. You, you can't mix them. You're either all in that what Jesus did is enough, or I need to add a little bit to it. I, I, you know, I need to get a little bit. Are you guys good? Yeah. Some things we only enter into because we're unwilling to stay where we are. I'm trying to provoke some people here today. I'm trying to get this to matter. This cannot just be a doctrine that we debate. There's people rotting in hospital beds. There's people here who they need to see the reality of God come into a hospital room, come into a bedroom, Come into your back, come into your shoulder, come into your neck here today. Isaiah 30, oh, I already read that one. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 3. I'll start with verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I love it. David's like commanding a soul. Mind, quit focusing on this junk. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's a command. Don't forget his benefits. Why is this important? Because you and I are called to live a lifestyle that manifests and receives from the benefit package. So you ready for the benefit package? Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases. What's he doing? It's part of the same package. I'm, not, I'm just going to save the person. I'm not going to save the clothes. God's more concerned about your soul. I remember my wife and I went to this, um, visited this church. I don't know, they had... I don't know, something crazy, like 16 campuses or something, and a bazillion people, and all sorts of stuff going on. And we met with the pastor, and, um, and he's like, hey, I heard some healing stuff's happening in your church. And I was like, well, yeah. And so we just told him some stories. And we've had people get out of wheelchairs, and blind eyes open, and deaf ears open, and metal dissolve out of bodies, and wonderful things. We took some more time to tell these stories. And he sat there, and he just listened. And um, he called me a couple days later, and he says, you know, my team and I, we were impressed by those stories, but as we talked, we decided it's more important for souls to be saved than for bodies to be healed. I thought, I just said, wow, you are, you are so holy. No, I didn't say that. That's total arrogance. 
Because it's like, I'm not willing to renew my mind to step into these things that are uncomfortable. Guess what? When you teach on healing, it's uncomfortable because you have to answer all the questions for why it didn't work. It's so much easier to just blame it on God who's invisible and say, must have been God. He's sovereign. Who knows? If it be thy will. Guess what? The people who say it's always God's will to heal, they see a whole lot more uh, healings than the people who say, hmm. I remember that with a Lutheran pastor here in town. He's like, why are you guys seeing all these healings? I said, do you believe God is always his will to heal? No. That's why. You don't believe he's going to heal. You believe he can do it. Big whoop. I mean, everyone would believe that. That's not faith. Oh, God can do anything. But you don't believe he's done anything. Guys, he already said yes. Everything he's going to do for your healing was done on the cross. Amen. Three nails and a crown. 39 stripes. We're not trying to get him to do something. We're believing what he already did. We're not prying his hand open. His hands are open. His arms are open. His promises. He's got to be looking at Jesus saying, didn't anyone tell him? Didn't you tell him? We already said yes. Oh, God, I decree and I declare, I pray. And they're begging and pleading for revival. They're begging and pleading for God to not strike down San Francisco. They're begging and pleading. They're basically just 24-7 unbelief. Oh, God, pour out your spirit. That was called Pentecost. He's living inside of you. What more do you want? If we started believing some of these things, we'd have more revival than we could handle. I'm not against 24-7 prayer. I'm against 24-7 unbelief. Begging God to do something you already said yes to. Are we okay? Comments are disabled. Sorry. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Guys, it's religion that put Jesus on the cross. It's the religion that makes the word of God of no effect. That's Mark chapter... Something verse something. 713. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that human concordance. <laughs> Mark chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man in a mat. Man, we need some friends like that, don't we? Friends who will bring you to Jesus. I don't know if the guy was willing or not, but they, they took him there. Verse 4, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. I love this story. We just read it like in a couple of sentences, but just imagine if I'm up here preaching, all of a sudden, you hear this saw. Actually, they don't need a saw. We have so many holes in our roof. They, they could actually just kind of find one and kind of slip them in there. But we're getting it repaired. Thank you for your faithfulness and giving. I remember there was that one over the drum, and it was like the drummers that like, had a whole new level of faith like, while they were up there. It was like, I'm like, that's why we had to put the cage up there. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. This is interesting. The guy didn't come asking for his sins to be forgiven. Verse 6, now some of the scribes are sitting there questioning their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves. I love this. I mean, it's almost like that story in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus, he's doing miracles, their hearts are being touched, and all of a sudden they're intellectually offended. Hold on. Isn't this the carpenter's kid? Didn't we, didn't we, didn't we see him in diapers? Didn't we see this kid grow up? You see, they were, they were being touched by God, and then they got intellectually offended, and then it said Jesus couldn't do any more mighty miracles. Why? Because um, unbelief can shut down the power of God. Jim, are you saying that you can limit God? I'm saying yes. If, if the word of God is not mixed with faith, it will profit you nothing. You can sit in church year after year. You can, you can amen all, all the right doctrines, but until we take the time and we let that seed come into our heart, and we stand in faith. It's not going to grow. So here's Jesus. He's, uh, uh, why do you question these things? He, uh, so Jesus says to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? 
This is uh, one of the most important stories in the New Testament because it's putting healing and the forgiveness of sins in the same playing field. It's interesting. Jesus is saying, I'm going to show you physically that I have power over sickness so that you believe me spiritually. But today we got it backwards. It's like we're believing him spiritually, but we don't believe the, the physical part. I'll tell you what's crazy. The church has been without power so long that somehow Satan and Jesus have switched job descriptions. It's, it's God who's making people sick to teach them a lesson, and it's Satan who's healing people through lying signs and wonders. When did Jesus and Satan switch job descriptions? Steal, kill, and destroy is someone else's job description, not God the Father. If I put sickness on my kids, I'd be arrested for child abuse. And yet somehow people think that God the Father is doing this to teach them a lesson and to make you more like Jesus. Sickness doesn't make you more like Jesus. Jesus ain't sick. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make you more like Jesus, not sickness. How are we doing? Verse 9, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. Man, can you imagine standing there? The tension in the room. The Pharisees have just thrown down the gauntlet, or the scribes. They've just thrown down the gauntlet here. Jesus senses what's going on. They're murmuring. And, uh, but so that you may know that I've got power to forgive sins, but you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went, went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. I, uh, I, I thought we were, I, I love Africa miracles. I love Columbus miracles more, but I love Africa miracles. I remember we were uh, doing uh, some crusades there, and we were doing like a pastor session. And so, uh, well, just to set the scene. So it's a, it's a hot tin roof. It had like a little bit of a pitch to it. And the roof was about six foot one. And uh, I'm six foot three. And so I'm standing in the highest part of the roof here, preaching with my neck down like this for hours, like teaching these pastors here. And it's, it's, I don't know, maybe like, I don't know, 212 degrees right around, you know, up there. So my face is bright red. And then under the culture, you have to wear a sport coat. So I'm in a sport coat. I'm like losing weight through my armpits. I think I could grow rice. There was so much water. So I'm up there teaching, you know, and, you know, and the interpreter, you know, it's really the interpreter who's doing anything. I could have said, you know, anything. They, they got to be good. And so, and so they brought this guy in, and uh, he looked like a bag of bones. He just, his, all of his muscles were just emaciated, and uh, they bring him in, and he's completely paralyzed. And so during the ministry time, he's kind of off to the side, and where everyone, everyone's practicing healing, and um, all of a sudden, um, I, I saw the corner of my eye, and he's standing up. And no one's even praying for the guy. And it's like, what is going on? And then he starts dancing. And then uh, it was, I mean, it, 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 and then he just kind of like walked off. And it was like, what, what, what is happening here? And then when like people saw it, they began just the rejoicing. Another African, uh, this was fun. So there was this, uh, I'm sitting on the edge of the stage. I couldn't find any interpreters, you know. And so sitting on the stage, and they put this girl on my lap. I mean, she's, I don't know, maybe like two or three. And um, <clears throat> they're through kind of sign language, you know, or like, you know, gestures. They're um, letting me know that she's blind. And so, uh, you know, my first thought was, oh, boy. I'm just going to be honest with you. It wasn't like, yay, that I say unto thee, see, you know. I was just like, oh, man. I'm like, all right, get my eyes off of myself. Get my eyes off of the condition. Get my eyes on Jesus. And so um, I prayed for her. And I swear something looked like something changed in her eyes. I'm like, hold on, am I making it up? Like, there's, like it's, it's nighttime, and I just see some light flash in her eyes. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And so I had a little flashlight, and so I started moving, and her eyes started following the flashlight. I'm like, I'm like well, that's a good sign. And uh, again, because I can't talk to her. And then uh, I see tears coming out. Or no, no, that didn't happen yet. And then um, I had a water bottle, and so I started moving the water bottle back and forth, and she's reaching for the water bottle. I'm like, well, that seems like a good sign. And then tears came out of her eyes. And so finally an interpreter came over. They said the girl was born blind and she didn't have tear ducts. She didn't have the ability to cry. So here she is seeing. And, uh, and so, boy, there was just a great rejoicing. Here this little girl seen for the first time. There was a little boy. So they had kind of a, a section like roped off, like picture a rope, more like a little piece of yarn, kind of like in a square. And I was behind the stage, and it was the, uh, the Ugandans there, they weren't supposed to come in, so we could actually have like a little bit of privacy. We're sleeping in tents, you know, in the village. And um, so we had, we, oh, I'll just tell the story. So we had this area we called the demon tent, 
And um, my team's like, can we call it the Freedom Tent? I'm like, good call. That sounds like a way better name, the Freedom. And so it wasn't really a tent. It was like a, like a, it was like a school building with like no windows and no doors, just like a cement structure. And so all the demoniacs that would manifest, um, they got taken into that room. All of them got uh, delivered. That was really cool. And so, so Mary and I, we, we got off stage, and we were trying to, we can hear it going on over there, and it was, it was wild in there. I mean, it was, sounded like, a, I don't even know what. It was, it was howlings and all sorts of wild stuff. But anyway, and so we're trying to get there, and this lady, she breaks protocol, and she brings her, um, was it a little boy or a little girl? It was a little girl. And um, brings her uh, in front of us, and the kid, it was mute. The kid had never talked before. And it was awesome, because I didn't have time to have unbelief. I was in such a hurry and I was like, all right, I'm just going to give it my best shot. So I'm like, okay, I'm get my eyes on Jesus. And I just said, say Yesu, which is uh, Jesus in Lugandan. And, um, and the kid goes, Yesu. And, I, and uh, the mom looked at me. I looked at the mom. I said, say it again, Yesu. This time it was louder. Yesu. The mom falls on her knees and just begins uh, just worshiping God. So we're crying. We walk away. It was about two minutes later, the little kid's on stage yelling, Yay, Sue! Yay, Sue! Thousands of people just start cheering for Jesus. Healings start breaking out. I mean, the kid went from mute to a healing evangelist in two minutes. Yeah. I want you guys to get this. I mean, just, just those little scenes of just seeing the one healing, just the rejoicing. I mean, the, the mom, she's hearing, oh, and then the next words he said was whatever mama was in that, and just hearing that for the first time. Imagine you're in the New Testament. And there's thousands of people, and Jesus is healing all of them. You're watching these crooked bodies get straightened back out, and you're watching these blind eyes open, and you know, children are seeing their parents for the first time. And deaf ears, can you just imagine the rejoicing that was going on? Now imagine if you were standing in that crowd, and you were next. What do you think Jesus would do? Some of you think you'd be the special exception, the one person. I got some news for you. You're not that special. God's love and his healing works for you too. How are we doing? Someone recently said to me, in the Bible days, they never doubted if Jesus could, healed, could heal. They wondered if he could forgive sin. Today, believers don't doubt their forgiveness. They wonder if he still heals. That was supposed to be a dramatic pause. You guys didn't fall for it on that one. All right. He forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Can you imagine someone coming up, to, coming up to Jesus and saying, Father, forgive me. He says, I'm not willing. There's something higher going on. We, it's, and it's unimaginable that we would come to God and ask for forgiveness. But we, we picture that all the time when it comes for healing. We're coming and we're not sure he wants to give it to us. And we don't have that same absolute assurance. I want us to get to that point where we realize every time we ask for healing, it's available. God is, uh, God is no more willing that you would have sickness in your body than you would be in adultery. He paid for you to come out of both. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, speaking of the Messiah's suffering and what his death would purchase. Yet it was our weaknesses. Um, I'm putting in brackets the other words that it has, has it translated there. You look in there and it says it could be translated this. Yet it was our weaknesses, sicknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows, diseases that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A lot of people are still believing that. A punishment for his own sins. A lot of people still believe in that. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. I mean, we saw some of the brutality of that in the, uh, in the Passion movie, but it was actually way worse than that. I mean, it says Jesus couldn't even be recognized as a human being. It was so bad. <clears throat> and so in Isaiah 53, it says, um, this is full payment for our sin and sickness. So here's what religious people say. Well, Jim, that's talking about the forgiveness of sin. All right? <clears throat> this is interesting. Jesus, in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 8, he quotes Isaiah 53 and applies it to physical healing. So for all the people who are like, that only responds to, um, to forgiveness of sin. That's not how Jesus saw it. Listen to Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. Interesting, if you have a mother-in-law, you have a wife. So for all those people that see Peter as the first pope and you can't get married, <clears throat> I'm just going for it today. It's like I'm a guest speaker. I'm getting on a plane and I'm leaving and never coming back. <laughs> but I'll see you next week on Mother's Day. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. Do you see how religion is just so twisted? He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illness and bore our diseases. Jesus saw specifically his healing ministry was in some way fulfilling Isaiah 53. First Peter 2.24 quotes part of that same verse, and it applies it to spiritual healing. He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Here's the quote. By his wounds you have been healed. Here's the point. Jesus got what we deserved so we could get what he deserved. I don't know how much more you guys can take. All right, Christian, just for you. So the point there was Jesus paid for the healing of your body in the same way that he paid for the forgiveness of your sins. It's all part of the same package. I want you to have the same confidence when you're coming to God to receive healing. Not I didn't say get him to heal you. You're receiving what's already been there. When you're coming to receive healing, you have the same confidence as when you're receiving the forgiveness of sins. Okay? Point number one. Let me shift gears here. I think one of the worst things that has happened in the church at large is that we have made salvation only about the forgiveness of sins and not about other things. It's, it's so much more than that. And so uh, we think of getting saved. We think, of, you know, hey, someone goes, oh, got saved today. What do we think? Okay, they, they prayed a prayer and they're not going to go to hell when they die. They're going to go to heaven when they die, right? When we hear saved. But when the New Testament uses the word saved, it uses it in a, in a lot more holistic way. You guys ready for this? Salvation does not only mean the forgiveness of your sins. Getting saved in the New Testament does not just mean the forgiveness of your sins. It means the healing of your body. It means the abundant provision of your finances. Oh, no, Jim, is this that health and wealth gospel? I got some good news for you. He didn't die for the sickness and poverty gospel. Jesus had a treasurer, which means he had... Hashtag duh. I don't know how people miss this stuff. I'm not saying he was some hotshot, fancy evangelist. Here's my definition of prosperity. You have more than enough resources to fulfill every divine assignment God has for you and enough left over to help others fulfill theirs. If you don't like the word prosperity, substitute it with abundance. If you don't like the word abundance, substitute it with the word prosperity. They're both in the New Testament. Deal with it. All right. Here's the point. When Christ died, he died to purchase your redemption from every effect of sin. In biblical times, everybody understood salvation in a much broader context, okay? So when um, Peter uh, was, um, was uh, walking on the water and he began sinking, he said, Lord, save me. Jesus didn't go, every head bow, every eye closed, no one looking around. Okay, Peter, repeat this prayer after me. It's not what he said. And so uh, it, it, the word there is the Greek, the New Testament was written in Greek, it's the Greek word sozo. It's spelled S-O-Z-O, but it's kind of pronounced S-O-D-E-Z-O, I guess what. And so... Um, it's used over 100 times in the New Testament, and it's all-encompassing word for salvation, often translated as save or saved. Okay, so let's look at some of this. So when someone was saved in the Bible, it included the forgiveness of sins. Luke chapter 7, there's a woman who lived a sinful lifestyle. She falls at Jesus' feet, uh, washes his feet with her tears and with her hair, but pours perfume on his feet. It's Luke 7, 48. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who's this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has sozoed you. Go in peace. It's that word save, sozoed. So there is forgiveness of sins. So he's saying your faith has just delivered you. You've been set free. You've been set right but from your sinful lifestyle. But, here's a, but let's keep looking. So that's Luke chapter 7. Here's the next chapter. Luke chapter 8, there's the, the gathering demoniac. Okay, The guy was uh, so demonized. He had, had a legion of demons in him. How many is a legion? I don't even want to know. Okay, I mean, this guy had, his issues had issues. This guy's got problems. Remember, Jesus commands the evil spirits to come out of the man and goes into the pigs. It was the first case of deviled ham. No, don't encourage that kind of joking. That's terrible. It's just cheap humor. They ran into the water, became the Bay of Pigs. Okay, verse 36. So Jesus casts out those demons. Verse 36, those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. You know what that word there is? Sozoed. Okay? So here, uh, this man needed deliverance from demons, and the answer was him getting saved, him getting sozoed, him getting set free. Luke 8, continuing on, 
Jesus is walking through a crowd of people. They're all pressing in to touch him. The woman with the issue of blood touches him. Verse 48, Jesus says to her, Daughter, your faith has sozoed you. Go in peace. This is the same book, the same author. In one chapter, it means forgiveness of sins, deliverance from demonic oppression, healing of her body. Look at the very next verse, Luke chapter 8, verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed, sozoed, saved, restored from the dead. Your daughter will be saved, delivered, kept from death itself. She had already died. Isn't this powerful? James chapter 4, verse 14, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise, sozo him up. Some translation says the Lord will save him. What's the context here? Physical healing. If he, has sin, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Sozoed. Does anyone get anything out of this? 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to undo every effect of sin. I think the only one that's delayed is um, resurrection bodies. Okay, because he says, you know, that one's promised at the second coming of 1 Corinthians 15. Right now, the sting of death, but we get a resurrection body. I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to that. I'm like, if this is all I got, come on, man. You can do better than this. But anyway, Matthew 121, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What's he talking about? He's going to save people from every effect of their sins. One of my new favorite verses. Are we, am I going too fast? Are we all right? Galatians 1, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, you ready for this, to deliver us from the present evil age. This is one of my, favorite new, my new favorite verses. According to the will of God our Father. Notice he didn't say that he came to deliver us and we get to enjoy it when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing will be, but here on earth it's going to stink. I say to thee, verily. That's how a lot of people teach it. It's just going to be horrible. I'm not saying there's not going to be difficulty. I'm saying you're going to have a solution in every difficulty. But we get to, you know, what's it? Uh, you know, we're going to enjoy in the sweet by and by, eat pie in the sky. But, you know, I, I don't know. I forget to say. Anyway, <clears throat> I need some food. That communion didn't do enough for me. You guys are getting hungry. Let's go. Jesus paid for it all. Um, okay, the, the one-step program. Okay, we're talking about how salvation isn't just forgiveness of sins. I'm trying to expand on it. Jesus paid for it all. I like to call it the one-step program. All things new, you know, darkness to light. So um, we looked at the gathering demoniac. Uh, we, we looked at the forgiveness of sins. Let's, uh, we looked at the healing of your bodies in Isaiah 53. Look at um, Isaiah 61. Jesus is the one who will heal you emotionally. It says he heals the brokenhearted. You guys realize the salvation uh, affects your emotions. He heals your emotions as well. Um, Luke 4.18, he sets the captives free. That's freedom from addictions or bondage to a sin or habit. Guys, if you're struggling with sin, I got some good news for you. Jesus has got the victory in that. You're like, Jim, well, how do I stop struggling from sin? It's the same way that you get forgiven of sin, the same way that you get delivered from demons, the same way that you get the healing of your body, the same way that you get your healing of your emotions, by grace through faith. By grace is his part, faith is our part to say, God, I receive that. So if you're struggling with a sin here today, you can say, God, I just thank you. I don't, I don't have to struggle with sin. You can give me victory. <clears throat> I'm believing for that victory. And then as that temptation comes up, you begin to say, God, I need your strength, not my strength. And you begin to have this flow of grace into your life because you're believing, you're receiving, not trying to do it in your own strength. Do you realize if you overcome temptation in your own efforts, you still failed the test because you did it in your own strength? It's not about willpower. It's not about counting to 100 when you're angry. Oh, that's better than blowing it. I mean, I would rather have you do that. It's about becoming the kind of person on the inside who doesn't get angry, who doesn't lust over women, who doesn't have greedy thoughts. She's changing you on the inside. <clears throat> um, Colossians 1.13, he brings those from darkness to light. He heals your depression. Acts 26.17, uh, so he moves someone from the power of Satan to the power of God. You're free from demonic bondage and torment. Uh, propitiation. Has anyone used the word propitiation in the last 24 hours? 1 John 2, 2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Propitiation was a term used in the Jewish sacrificial system, and it meant that there was a lamb that took the place, and the wrath was poured on the lamb, so you didn't receive the wrath. Here's what that means. It means you're unpunishable. 
Well, that'll, that'll change your theology. When you're coming before God unpunishable, I think it's uh, Romans 5, right around verse 4 in the Passion Translation, it says, you will never experience the wrath of God. Some people are like, well, how do we motivate people to live holy if they don't have the wrath of God? Love. People will do more for love than they will for fear. You're unpunishable. You've also been adopted. Romans 8, 15, for you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba was this Aramaic term that means like daddy. It's this, like, it's this term of endearment. You actually can be close to God. I understand he's holy, he's, he's, he's completely other, and he's also your dad. How's it work? We're figuring it all out, aren't we? And you have abundant provision. I kind of got at this one. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does the grace mean? Grace means he paid for it on the cross. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This verse is almost offensive to the religious person. Hold on, you're saying that God wants me rich? I'm just actually just reading the Bible. Well, Jim, doesn't rich, does it mean spiritual riches? Well, the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 is finances, and that word rich is used of material provision in every case in the New Testament. It's no more uh, God's will for you to be in poverty than it is for you to be in adultery. He paid for you to come out of both. No one needs to feel bad about their current financial circumstances, but God is going to prosper you and bless your life, not because of your amazing financial wizardry, although I believe in being a good steward and having financial knowledge and learning how to increase those things. But the blessing in your life is going to become because of what Jesus did on the cross. If you're struggling with money, you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're going under, whatever it might be, you don't have a job, your starting point needs to be that God is your source. He is the source of blessing. And when you begin to attach your faith to that, God wants to bless my finances, you begin to look for ideas. You begin to look for your creativity and you partner with it. I'm not saying sit there and declare things and checks are going to start flying into your mailbox. God said he blessed the work of your hands, not your butt on the couch. You don't get what you need, you get what you believe. Okay? You don't get what you need, you get what you believe, and faith comes by hearing. Same way you got saved. You heard good news, you believed in your heart, and you confessed with your mouth. Are you talking about naming it and claiming it? Believe in your heart, claim it. Confess with your mouth, name it. There's a reason, I mean, I know that that doctrine got off, but where did they get it from? The Word of God. I'm not, I don't believe in, like, you know, naming your seed, and I need a cat, you know, I, need a, I don't need a cat, I need a Ferrari, that's what I need. If I'm going to believe, I'm going to, you know, it's not about you know, claiming, I'm claiming this Ferrari, and then, you know, it's not about, that. it's kind of foolish. It's, can you really see, you know, Jesus in the Bible, like, having a need and start, you know, I'm sowing this in, the, in this offering so I can get another mansion, and, like, it just, that's where it became greedy, where it became about things. God wants, doesn't want you using your faith to get more stuff. We're using our faith to get to know him better, and all these things are added, okay? How much money is too much money? Whatever amount replaces trust in God. All right, I'm just going to close with these two statements. You guys good? Yeah. Let's make this confession together. Say it, repeat it after me. Healing is not my idea. Healing is God's idea. I'm not trying to convince him. He's trying to convince me. All right, Stan, let's, let's say it one more time together. Healing is not my idea. Healing is God's idea. I'm not trying to convince him. He's trying to convince me. If some of you are struggling with this stuff, I just encourage you to be a noble Berean. In the book of Acts, he said the Bereans were more noble because they eagerly searched the scriptures to see what Paul said was true. Most people are not noble Berean, they're negative brethren. They're not eagerly searching to see if it's good news. I don't believe that, and they go to try and find verses that disprove it. And they call themselves a noble brand when they're just negative brethren. And so I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just, I'm just saying, guys, if you're having trouble with this, okay, I think in the description of this sermon, when you, when you go watch it on replay, I put all the verses uh, in there. 
So you can actually just go and, and look them up yourself, look them up in context, look them up in a couple different translations, except for like the Jehovah's Witness one. That's bad. But um, <laughs> they, they don't even know basic Greek. It's just embarrassing. But um, I encourage you guys, like, we, we can't just hear this message and go, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm walking 100% healing. There's, we, we've got to stand in faith. And so I'm hoping that today there was a seed that was planted I believe some of you are, are called to spark a healing revival in this city. I really do. Uh, most of the mighty healing testimonies that we, we have from this church are outside the walls of the church. For some reason, unbelievers at this point are easier to get healed than believers because unbelievers don't have all the fear, doubt, and unbelief that they've been taught by religion. They're just in neutral, so we can push them there. A lot of Christians got the parking brake on and going, I don't know. What about Job? What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? What about this and that? And what about, didn't Paul have bad eyesight? Didn't Paul tell Timothy to take a little wine with his stomach? It's like, you know more scriptures about doubts than you do about healing. You couldn't name me three verses on healing, but they know about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And Timothy told, and Paul left somebody sick somewhere. It was Trophimus and Miletus. You know what I'm saying? They know more about the doubt verses than they do the healing verses. Why do you think it's not working? But this is a different group of people. I know it was a little rough today, but sometimes you got to pull the weeds out by the roots. And I wasn't even that rough. <laughs> I'm not telling you what week it's going to get rough. No, it's not, it's not going to get rough. It's just rough if you're religious. If you're holding on to the doctrines of men. Because if what I'm telling you is, I mean, what looks more like the Bible the religious people who are sitting around arguing scriptures and telling you that trials need to go, which one looks more like Jesus? You know, just the only way that you can get closer is to have horrible things happen to you or Jesus going around healing a whole bunch of people all the time. Like the people who say healing's not for today, like how do you read the Gospels? That's like cutting out all the karate scenes from a Bruce Lee movie. It's like there's nothing left. Like you take out all the miracles, what do you got left in the Bible? Some of you finally, Bruce Lee is making you come around. You're like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Guys, I don't, I mean, uh, there's just something special about this church. Like, we don't have, like, incredible programs that are keeping you here. They're, you're here because you're hungry. You're here because you want to transform a city. You want to pass this stuff down to your kids. You want the supernatural to be natural. You're in love with Jesus. You, don't, you, you want the presence of God. You don't tolerate it so you can get out early and beat the Baptist to Bob Evans. And so, guys, this is a terrorist training camp to destroy the works of the devil. We're on offense. We're not on defense. I, I, man, I just, and man, this is, I was praying this week. I just saw some different faces and, um, you know, you're, you're called to do those notable miracles. I had a dream there was going to be three miracles that were going to happen in a two-week period. One of them was going to be, the, um, it was going to be an, uh, an imam's son who was raised from the dead, a Muslim pastor. One was going to be a, um, a city official. I'll just say that. I'll say it more general. city official's child who was kidnapped, and some of our people prophetically located it. Guess what? We've got, a heal- we've got a training for that in two weeks. Guys, we need you to come to that, not, not so we can fill slots, so that we can fulfill destiny. And then the third one was um, a, a very public figure in, this, in the city, a um, child who had cancer and was terminal and got healed. And it was all from people in our church, and they were, it had the effect of a notable miracle from the book of Acts, and it said in Acts 19, and the name of Jesus was held in high esteem. It literally shifted the atmosphere of a city, changed the spiritual appetite of a city in a two-week period because of signs and wonders. Guys, it's not going to happen in here. I, I hope good things happen here. I'm expecting good things to happen in here today. But we, Jesus didn't do a lot of that. He did some stuff in the synagogue. Most of the stuff was out there. Help us, Jesus. You know, if you're hungry for this, I'm just going to ask you, just put your hand in your heart and just say, God, help us. Jesus, help this to not become just a doctrine, not just become a great idea, but Lord, let it become living bread. You said healing is the children's bread. And so, Lord, we feast on that bread today. Lord, we just thank you. Healing belongs to us. It's part of our birthright. It's part of our covenant. 
And so for every person in here who's been disappointed, Lord, I just thank you that you are greater than our disappointments. You're greater than our doubts. You're not offended by our questions. Let me just speak to questions real quick. Jesus perceived in their hearts that they were saying, who's this guy think he is to forgive sins? There's some questions that um, take you to Jesus. Those are the good kind of questions. And there's some that take you away from him. Those questions that are taking you away from him, guys, we just, you just, you just die to those things. If you want the peace that passes understanding, you're going to have to give up your right to understand. I've done funerals for my dad and for my sister. Neither one of those should have happened. But I'm not going to point the finger at God. Guys, there's no shame in giving it your best shot and missing it. The shame is when you point the finger at God and say, you did this. It's not true. He's not, he's not, he doesn't steal, kill, and destroy. He gives life. Well God, didn't, uh, well, God didn't do it, but he allowed it. Guys, you want some harsh reality? God doesn't allow sickness. The church allows sickness. He put a gun in your hand and told you to shoot it. I'm asking you to put on your big boy pants. He said, I give you authority over every sickness, every, every spirit, every evil disease. When you're asking God to heal someone, you're already in unbelief. Stop asking God to do what he told you to do. God will not do your part, and you will not do his part. His part was the cross. You're not going to repeat that part. Your part is to stick your hand on someone and say, in the name of Jesus, be made whole. Shoulder, I command you to be healed right now. If you've got sickness in your body, your hand is loaded if you're a believer. He said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I want you to look at your hands and I want you to just realize those aren't just your hands. If you're just laying hands on someone hoping something happens, nothing's going to happen. If you lay hands on someone and you recognize it's not just me praying. The spirit of the living God, the spirit of the resurrected Christ is on the inside of me. And when I pray, he prays. That's what I'm talking about. If you've got sickness in your body, let's just start there. Let's just plant a seed in your body right now. Wherever that, whatever that body part is, if you can reach it, stick it there. And if you can't reach it, take someone's hand next to you, if you're married or you're in the same family, and put it there. <laughs> if you're not, do not do that. <laughs> Unless you want to ask him. No, 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 we're not doing that. But I want, I want you guys to uh, yeah, put, put your hand there. And I want, I, want to, I want to show you how it works. He didn't say, um, ask God to do it. He said, he said uh, heal the sick. So what did that look like? Jesus, um, he commanded sickness. He took the authority the Father gave him, and he commanded it. I'm not talking about being fat and sassy and just yelling and being bold for no reason. I'm having a confidence that I've been given the power of attorney by Jesus. He says, my authority I give to you. So you're taking your hand, you're putting it there, and say, neck be healed in the name of Jesus. You speak to that mountain. Okay, so whatever you got to do, let's just, just, man, go for it. Whatever it is, just take uh, two or three sentences. Stomach be healed. Knee be healed in the name of Jesus. And let's just start planting that seed. Like, Jim, what if nothing happens? Well, you're already in doubt. What if something does happen? Guys, sometimes this stuff comes like a seed. Sometimes it comes in full form manifestation. Why is it one way or the other? I don't know. I wish I knew how to speed it up. I don't know. But all I know how to do is get my eyes in Jesus, dive into that ocean of grace, and keep going for it. Okay, so, so wherever it is, put your hand there. If you've got a spouse, you probably know what that need is. Just put your hand in your spouse. And let's just take the next 30 seconds, and let's just begin planting that seed of healing. Some of you, you're going to harvest it right away. Some of you, it's something you're going to continue to walk out this week. You're going to meditate on these scriptures, and it's going to be good. So right now, go ahead. Mary, why don't you play something? It's too quiet in here. These people, are, we, need, we need a little background music. Jesus didn't need music, but sometimes it's a little awkward because we're practicing this. It's okay. We've got ears, we've got necks, we've got throat problems, we've got discs in the back, we've got surgeries in the back, we've got wrist problems. Someone's got something going on with their liver. You've tried two cleanses and it's not working. In the name of Jesus, I speak to that liver and I command you to be healed right now. Some of you are freaking out about this arrhythmia of your heart. It keeps going in and out. In the name of Jesus, be made whole. Thank you, Lord. Someone's got gout on their right big toe and it just locks up. In the name of Jesus, be made whole. Thank you, Lord. Lord, for the person with gum problems, Lord, they're talking about grafts and all sorts of stuff. In the name of Jesus, be made whole. Thank you, Father. Just because I'm not calling out doesn't mean he wants to heal it. Jesus healed them all. 
So speak to that thing. You're like, Jim, out loud? Like, it doesn't have to be so loud that everyone hears it, but just you're be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. Lord, we are planting seeds of your word, and we expect them to be harvested right now. Those intestine problems, someone's got colitis, and it actually has internal bleeding in it. In the name of Jesus, be made whole. Lord, I just thank you for taking us to new levels. Some of you, I can feel a spiritual aggressiveness rising up in you. It's okay. Some of you need to get ticked off of what the enemy has done, what religion has lied to you about, and just say no more. If you're not feeling anything happen instantly, it's okay, guys. We're going we're gonna to keep going after this thing. But Lord, I just thank you that what has been started cannot be stopped. We've had people with broken bones sticking out of their skin, not, not like through the skin, but deformed, get healed on the way home. Why did it happen on the way home? I don't know. I'm just glad it happened. Don't stop believing after the prayer ends. Mary, did you have something? You can stop playing if you can't talk and play at the same time. Sorry, babe, I should have got it for you. Okay, wasn't that, like, good news? Oh, my gosh. It's really funny, babe, that you said, it's like I'm traveling at another church, and I'm going to leave tomorrow, and it doesn't matter what I say. So I was thinking, this is exactly how he is when we travel. He's like... Very I'm getting on a plane in an hour. I don't care. I'm just going to let it rip. Offensive. But, uh, but here, like, we don't have to be that mean because <laughs> it's not you, mean. you already know. You already know things. So, but he has, he has to pull a lot of weeds when we travel. So, anyway, that was Feisty Jim, and it was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> okay, so there's just a couple of things um, I just want to share with you guys. I felt um, the Lord saying to you just, just a couple really quick things. Um, so at the beginning, I did want to share this. Um, at the beginning when we were praying, Andrew had felt like the Lord was releasing momentum today. And I, I feel like Yes and amen, and I hope you guys feel that today. There's a, a new momentum in the spirit and the natural being released today, and I just want to say the train's left. I don't, do you guys feel that? Are we on board? The train has left. We're moving again. This is a good feeling, right? And um, I heard you guys say uh, in, in the spirit when Jim was kind of ending, I heard you guys say, uh, uh, we're, not, we're not finished yet. <laughs> And um, man, I just I feel I felt that fight too. It was so good. And um, so the momentum thing. Um, the other thing I heard was I heard the Lord say to somebody here, "You are made clean." And so I don't know if there's um, maybe somebody here today, and you just feel like dirty. You just feel like I just I'm like ashamed. I don't know what you've done or what. What's going on in your life? But Jesus sees you today. And he, he wants to say to you that you are made clean. You are made clean. Um, the next thing is uh, this morning I saw the word worth in gold. And I saw, I saw it like on people. And so today if you are feeling or maybe in the past even you have had a hard time believing your worth, like the price that Jesus paid. We talked about that a lot today, about Jesus dying for your sins and your healing and your sickness, disease, everything. And some of you are like, oh, I don't really believe Jesus did that for me. It's probably for somebody else. But today, he, he wants you to have that revelation of your worth. So I just want you to close your eyes real quick and um, just, I don't know, just kind of get in receiving mode. 
And Holy Spirit, um, and maybe you've already, you've already had this revelation today, uh, this morning, but right now, if you haven't, just with everybody with their eyes closed in receiving mode, Holy Spirit, would you give us um, just a, a new vision, a new revelation of our worth, how you see us, not how we see us, but worth, worth, and it was in gold letters, worth. You're worthy. You were worth everything that he did, every price that he paid, every nail that went into his body and um, everything that he did. You were worth it. And you are worthy because he's worthy. So Holy Spirit, would you just give us that fresh revelation, new revelation, to remove any blinders, any wrong thinking of our worth. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. Amen. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, this was the last thing. So, um, well, I won't tell you that part, but I feel like we're moving from scattering seeds to planting your seeds intentionally and planting yourself intentionally. So instead of just scattering those seeds out there, which that's not always a bad thing, but this is a season we're moving in where you're going to plant yourself intentionally and you're going to plant your seeds intentionally, and the Lord's going to come water those, okay? That's it. All right. Well, as we close in prayer.